and welcome to the One Degree Shift podcast. I'm your host, Eric Termundi, and I'm excited to introduce you to the wonderful guests I've got on season two and the little things they're doing to create a more intentional future for themselves, for their teams, and for the communities around them. I hope you enjoy. Zalika's Grow, thank you so much for joining the One Degree Shift podcast. How are you today? Yeah, really good. Thanks for having me. I appreciate it. I'm grateful to have you on on the podcast because of a few reasons. Number one, I've been a fan of, of Sage for a while. Admittedly, my partner has our entire apartment apartment decked out in Sage gear. We've probably got four diffusers. We've probably got 30 different scents scattered all over the place. They've not only just become a part of how our apartment smells, but I think it's an art installation too, if I can call yeah. it that. I'm a fan of, of you now. We spoke together at the HR Tech Summit uh, in 2020, virtually, of course, um, though it would have been in Toronto. And and uh, I've seen some of your work and, and really admire your approach. But not to take it from me, can you tell us a little bit about yourself and, and the work that you're doing? Thank you. Um, and I'm so happy to hear um, Sage is part of your home. It's a huge part of why I love Sage is it touches people in so many different ways. And yeah, we're continuing to grow. So I'm, I'm really grateful to be on the podcast and to share a bit about myself and, and what we're doing at Sage. So I've been really in, I'd say, like customer-centric roles my entire life. I've always had a passion for people. And while that might so- sound like a bit cliche, it's, it's really true for me um, from a young age. So I knew that I wanted to be part of service-driven organizations and that I wanted to be part of helping people be their best. So I love um, seeing what's possible with the human potential and also being part of teams that really push the mark and do things differently and constantly ask themselves, why am I doing this? Like, I think that's really key for me. So, um, you know, my career has been in HR, um, you know, professionally since I kind of graduated school and got my accreditation. I thought that was always important to have a backing. However, you know, I've worked in a number of different industries. So in hospitality and most recently in retail experience. So joining Sage about six years ago, I took on um, the first people or HR role that the organization ever had. So we are a 28 year old company, but you might've only known us about five or six years ago because Mm -hmm. that's really when we started to expand and grow. So my mission has really been to help build the HR function, the people brand at Sage and also um, you know, support the growth of the organization from our store footprint, as well as our kind of support office footprint. So yeah, that's my, that's, you know, what I get to do in a day, which I feel so lucky for. And, you know, I'm always passionate about the HR community and contributing back and sharing learnings all along the lines of asking ourselves, why are we doing these things as HR professionals and trying to push the mark within the industry as well. So that, you know, we continue to have a really important seat at the table, which I think is critical for, for the future. Very cool. And thank you for, for sharing that. So what's, I mean, what's interesting to me is you talk about the best out of people doing things slightly different and always asking that question, why are we doing what we're doing and how can we make it most effective? Having these conversations over the past years, what are some of the things that you've learned? And then what are the changes that you made as a result of what you've learned? Yeah. So it's a great question. I think like first getting people comfortable with asking ourselves the question why I think that's always been my first approach and and looking at it from being curious so I think you have to be careful in an organization especially if you're coming up with a new idea or trying to bring something forward you want to do it in a way of of 
like advantage of curiosity versus, mm-hmm. oh, that's wrong. Mm-hmm. So I think what I've learned in my quest of being curious is that it's so important to preface it that way, you know, to, to share that, you know, my intention for all of us to question what we're doing is all based out of curiosity and so that we can just evaluate um, how we can be better. Like, and so what I've always challenged my like executive team, which I work closely with is whenever we're stuck. So usually when we're in a, a position where we feel like we can't, you know, get to the next level, whether it's entering a new market or achieving larger sales goals or getting more out of our people, we get into the spiral. Like I've witnessed it as a witness of like, you know, we're, we're spiraling, we're trying to do more of the same things. And not often do we step back and say, hang on a second, let me, if I'm spiraling, let me step back and go through an exercise of curiosity and ask my team why, you know, and, and go to others to gain curiosity or insight. So what I've learned, especially at Sage is that it's important to introduce those rhythms so that it doesn't feel acute. So it doesn't feel like one day I just walk into your organization and I'm asking why, or, you know, you, I think it's so important to make it fluid in the organization. So what I learned when I first joined is that, you know, the organization wasn't comfortable with asking why or changing things. Cause again, we'd been this established founder led business. We thought we knew the secrets to, you know, the future. And as we brought on new talent, it was important for us to give space for people to give feedback, but also ask questions to learn and grow. And so we um, instituted a really important rhythm of like a round, a round table. So we now call it a check-in, but a more general term would be a round table where we just give space for people to share like a very quick stop, start, continue in their own area. Right. So what creates is one, other departments can look at, hey, that's working really well in digital. I'm going to start doing that a stop could be relevant to another department in IT. Like, yeah, I'm going to stop doing that too. And then continue can like help bring people together to say, Hey, I'm going to double click with you on that. And let's refine something that we're working on within our teams. And sometimes we'd come to those around tables with nothing and that's okay. I think it's just important to create a rhythm where people can express what's working, what's not working and what they want to focus their energy on. And it it helps just create that venue of curiosity. So again, I think to go back, I think what I've learned is that you can't just do this once, or you can't just have a meeting tomorrow and say, I I want us all to question question our whys. I think you have to look for a way to authentically integrate it into your business so that it's part of how you operate. And that was a big learning for me at Sage and something that's really stuck. And I'd say too, if it doesn't stick, like reevaluate it. I don't know that it's the right thing mm-hmm. for the organization, but look for what's going to fit in your culture authentically and, and make sure it's like part of how you run the business. And it's not just this off cycle thing you do. Talk to me a little bit about this rhythm and, and the cadence. Yeah. What's the frequency? Who's involved? Yeah. How did yeah. this get traction at the start? And how yeah. do you invite people to be vulnerable, to be curious without you know, repercussion. If I were to sort of rephrase this, how do you ensure people feel psychologically safe when having these conversations? Such a good question. Um, and absolutely like came up in terms of, you know, how am I going to feel like I can be fully expressed? So I think the important learning and what I would share is like, you have to start small and what might seem really simple is actually going to help you get there long-term. So you have to have like patience with the process and the reward is really 
rewarding at the end. So how we started is it was really intricate within departments. So we started within the safety of the team that you work with every single day. So, right. you know, that's a good and important place to start. I would not start it company-wide first. I think you have to start within your teams. And then mm -hmm. we did the same thing at the store level, which was interesting. So, um, you know, like a store at Sage would do a check-in and then like our digital department would do a check-in. And the frequency was actually daily. So it was quick. It was like a fifth. It was never meant to be long. It's like a 15 to 20 minute check-in. You do a bit of a round table and then you start your day. So the, the benefit I see with a daily check-in at that level is it, again, it builds comfort. And, you know, if one day was really challenging, the next day gets a little easier. The following mm -hmm. day gets mm -hmm. easier. So that's at department and store level. It happens every single day. And then on a company-wide level, we attempt to do it at least monthly. Now, what I'd say is depending on what's going on, sometimes it can get, you know, pushed, but we would at least, I'd say, do it two to three times a quarter. So what we would do is get together as a larger organization. Um, we call them now like team touch bases, team check-ins. We invite everyone within the organization to attend. So it's optional, but it's a time for you to come in and hear what's going on and, and, and share what's going on in your own department. Our, our heads of each department give a bit of a briefing, like a bit of an update on what's going on in their areas. And then we use the majority of that time to have a round table and hear from our team. So, you know, it lasts about an hour, those instances, and those are a bit longer because we couple them with some important business updates to keep communication flowing. And then also just give space for people to share or ask questions and to kind of go through that process. And maybe they, they'll pick up on something in, uh, like a leader said, and question it so it creates the space of um, comfort and it takes it takes some time but it, it definitely is fluid now within our organization mm -hmm. so um, that's the the two rhythms so daily really within your intimate group or your intimate department and then at least you know once a month or three times a quarter organization-wide so what I'm hearing is you've operationalized innovation essentially yeah. is, is what you've done. I guess the, the, the question then that comes to mind is this idea of a culture and where it really lives. I mean, the start, stop and continue on the tech team is going to be different than the marketing team is going to be different than the HR team is going to be different than the retail side is going to be different than FP&A, et cetera, et cetera. Yeah. This might seem like a bit of an abstract question, but where does culture live then at Sage? Does it live at yeah. the top? Is there consistencies throughout the organization? There must be. But at the same yeah. time, we have to recognize and appreciate the nuances between each team too, correct? Totally. Yeah, it's such a great question. And, you know, for a long time, I'd say too, within our growth of our organization, there was a big question mark, like where does culture live and who is the, the kind of birther of all of these initiatives and, and what has really worked for us, um, you know, and uh, like within my department and my team, of course, we'll always hold a big stake within culture, but it'll never work if the executive team and the leaders at, you know, every functional area. So our head of digital, head of ops, our president, if, if none of them buy in, it, it's not going to work. So the organization knows that, and that's really what our culture is built on. So, mm -hmm. you know, while I might, my team and myself might support the execution of some of these culture initiatives, the ideation and the um, cultivation of what's going to work comes from all of us. So we create space at the top to have these conversations about culture. I think when organizations, you know, to be really frank, put it on one department, it's, it's like a death sentence. I don't, I don't think mm -hmm, it ever mm -hmm. works. And I feel 
like there's such a missed opportunity because people are in all of our businesses, right? Like people are in all departments, human beings and what we need to motivate them is common amongst every department. So you have to bridge that together to, to match a, a, like a, a strategy from a culture perspective. And it can't just live like in my department, there's a certain type of person or people and I can of course adapt to my department but it's not going to work if I go lead digital tomorrow. I'm going to have to change my strategy. So as long Absolutely. as, you know, like a good common um, will for culture, which I think some of the best organizations do at the top, it's really going to work and stick and be authentic versus just one department's job. So we're really, I'd say lucky. It's just one of my biggest draws. It was from the very beginning that culture was like the foundation of our growth. So it, mm-hmm. it doesn't just live within one department. It's across all teams to your point so that we adapt yeah. based on every group. What's the relationship between curiosity and a lack of productivity? At what point can you be too curious and try too many things that you're not moving the needle forward? Yeah, it's a really good point. I think you, you need to be really transparent of when that line is approaching, right? So, you know, I think there's a balance between being curious and energized in terms of productivity of what you learn from that curiosity and what you do different versus being complacent. We have a really key feedback culture within the organization when, you know, again, I think it's hard to work in an organization like ours and not be given feedback if you're not pulling your weight. Like, I think everyone's so committed to the, the mission of global wellness that, you know, a peer feels really comfortable in our organization to talk to another peer and say, hey, like, you're, you're pulling the project down and I want to work with you to, to get you out of this funk if you're in one, but I need you to meet me halfway. I think something that we really do well is we, we develop kind of coaching tools within our onboarding and development so that people can have those conversations at every level. Again, I don't think it works if it's only a leader giving people feedback. I think you have to equip everyone in the organization to give their peers and even their leaders critical feedback along the way. Because, you know, I know I've also received really great critical feedback from my direct reports, which I would not have received, you know, anywhere else and have served my growth so deeply. Um, So again, I think, you know, to answer your question, I think it's important um, to just distinguish like what is being energized is the word I use from the curiosity and like, knowing that you can make a change in your own stream and with your team versus being complacent and being, you know, in a mindset of, you know, what, why are we doing this? I'm not going to do it anymore. It's more of like, why are we doing this and how can we do this better? Um, and I think those are some of the key important leading questions you have to see with your team at the onset. What I'm hearing is an acute awareness of self and team. You know, how are you instilling introspection and reflection into the organization? Yeah, good question. I mean, self-awareness is one of our key um, like requirements, I'd say, when you join Sage. I think everyone in the organization has, you know, they may not be fully equipped with like self-awareness tools. However, when they're onboarded and when we're in the interview process, we talk a lot about how the culture, you know, is, is quite... Um, it's quite critical to be interested in growing your self-awareness. So, you know, what I'd say is while you're joining a fast paced and a high growth organization, you also have to put your hand up to say, okay, I'm going to get vulnerable. I'm going to learn these tools. I'm going to do some introspective work. And, you know, that's not for everyone and that's okay. But those who choose that are on such an incredible path at Sage. So, you know, I think it's important that 
any organization who is trying to increase their emotional intelligence within their organization preview that really well um, to people who are new and being onboarded. And then also don't discount someone if they don't have, you know, a, a, a good sense yet of, of where they're at. But as long as they have the interest and you have the tools to help develop them, um, you know, make sure that you're, you're making a, a plan for them and um, staying in connection along the way. Um, but yeah, emotional intelligence is, is key. It's part of a lot of our onboarding materials. It's even a part of how we um, sell our products, you know, to be really mm -hmm. honest. I mean, if you've ever been to a Sage store, um, it's so high touch. And of course we've adapted it for COVID, but we're still very, you know, intimate with our community members. And we wanna know what's going on for them in their lives and what's causing them pain or stress so that we can recommend the best product. So mm -hmm. it, it's filtered through the organization. It's how our, our products reach people. So um, if you're a customer of Sage, you're very likely gonna understand what it's gonna be like to work at Sage because it's all fluid across every inch of who we are. Absolutely. As we wrap up, how do we instill a little bit more curiosity into ourselves? Like, what yeah. are you doing on a personal level to ensure that you're always curious? So, you know, I'd say for me, what's been really effective and, you know, someone very early in my career told me to do this. It was, you know, every day at the end of your day, write down what you're most proud of and what you would do differently. And I have stuck to that rule for myself probably for the last like 11 or 12 years. And I just have like wow. in my notebook, just answering those two questions. And so, you know, I can, I think what's important for all of us and what I would encourage everyone to do is have a moment of reflection and um, make it about what you can control at, at the end of every day. And it can really, it can bring you joy. I think I, I've caught myself, you know, after a day where maybe I felt like I didn't do enough or I might've missed, you know, key key meetings or something you know not being there and then I reflect on the day and I'm like you know I, I feel good I think I can go into the, the day tomorrow mm -hmm. with a new perspective mm -hmm. if you, again if you do it on a daily rhythm like for me um that's important in the pace that we're living today that you take time every single day for some reflection and I think it'll really serve your curiosity so Lika, this has been incredible and it's no doubt uh, that Sage is doing as well as it is when it's in good hands as it is. So is there anything else that you want to share with us today? I know I just I so appreciate this time and being part of the podcast and contributing to um, the industry is so, so important for me. So thank you for, for reaching out and I'm so glad we were able to make this connection. Awesome. So Lika, is there uh, anywhere that uh, people could reach out? Is, is LinkedIn a good platform? Is there anything yeah. else? Yeah, LinkedIn is, is the best place. I'm on there all the time. So feel free to reach out and add me. I love um, to connect. Awesome. <laughs> Thanks so much for your time today. Thanks, Eric. Bye-bye.